Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listeners and welcome to this mid-season check-in with Peter Ridsdale. Peter and I will be discussing COVID, the current state of play in football, Ryan Lowe's appointment and a few other bits and bobs as well. So enjoy. Peter, are you well? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, well good, thank you. Good. Did you have an increase in people getting in touch after the last time you, you came on the pod? Um, we say in touch with me directly, not particularly. I mean, it's um, it's a constant stream depending on what's happening and what the subject is and obviously the last few weeks have been interesting yes it has we'll come on to that shortly but before we do obviously there's there's been an increase in positive cases uh in football at the minute well over the last sort of like few days really what's what's your take on the state of play at the minute from your own point of view and from an afl point of view um well look it's the situation we're facing at the moment is nobody knows exactly where this viruses how you catch it um you know everybody's got views um uh what we have to do i think is to make sure we try and encourage as many people as possible to be protected that's obviously by injection and boosters i know some people say it's might not not my job to to say that to them but i think from everybody's point of view whether it be to self-protect or protect others you know you can be infectious without falling ill but then infect somebody else and i think that until such time as the majority of people have got some sort of immunity, we're not going to see it behind us and get back to some sort of normality. And it's affecting so many people's lives, not just because they're positive, but also the mental anguish of, you know, losing the job or self-isolating or, you know, not having a normal life. So we have to get out of the cycle somehow and um, keeping locking people down is not the answer. What you've got to do is I think, um, uh, try and give people the maximum immunity as possible, whether it be natural immunity or through injections. Where, where do you see football going over the next few weeks? Obviously, I think there was, I, I don't, I'm not sure on the exact number, but a lot of games, Premier League and the FL, that, that were called off over the last few days, obviously the midweek schedule as well. Do you think uh, uh, like a mini break of sorts is, is something that might work to sort of slow the spread in, in the game, if that makes sense? Well, I'm not convinced because, you know, what I don't know is uh, what's going to happen if people aren't actually at the training ground or playing football matches. Um, You know, we've got red protocols back in at the training grounds, which means social distancing, um, obviously different changing facilities, two buses now instead of one to away games, uh, individual hotel rooms, not, not player sharing. That's fine. But what do they do when they leave the training ground? Where are they over the weekend? We don't control their lives. Um, I've no evidence whatsoever. Maybe others have that if you have a, 
uh, a two-week circuit breaker, as they call it, what happens when you come back again? Um, and unless it's locked down in your house, the circuit breaker might be stopping football, but what are people up to when they're not at football? I mean, I find there's no rhyme or reason in anything. You know, if you take our upcoming fixture on Boxing Day against Sheffield United, you know, the government uh, who are talking to scientists all the time are suggesting if you're double vaccinated, you can come in. Um, half of them might have the virus for all we know, uh, because what, what they're suggesting is that the virus itself can be caught with vaccinations, um, uh, but you are less likely to fall seriously or personally. So, you know, we, let's say we have a crowd of 17,000 on Boxing Day of whom, I don't know, two and a half, three thousand have taken lateral flow that morning. They're the only ones we know at the time they enter are unlikely to have the virus. So I'm confused as to what anybody in the, the country thinks we're trying to achieve at the moment, because um, unless you literally lock people away in their own homes and don't allow them to go out, the fact is it will spread. And I'm not a doctor, but I would have thought the sooner people get personal immunity, the better, and then we can get back to living a normal life. Yeah, I think uh, I tend to agree with that, to be fair. It um, feels like we're destined to go in circles at the minute, which just feels like it's not going to get anyone anywhere, really. Why, why do you think 25% of the FL players are refusing the vaccine? Well, what's the percentage of under 30s or under 35s in the country? I don't know. Until I know the answer to that, I can't answer the question. From the little I've read, and I try and read you know, as much as the next person, but I can't pretend I'm an expert, there is a significant, um, there are a significant number of people in the lower age groups who appear to feel that um, either they won't get it or they won't get ill through it and have declined vaccinations. And my gut feel is that it's not a dissimilar percentage to footballers. I think that's almost an age-related issue as opposed to specific to their profession. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you think it's more sort of age age-related, like you say, than anything else? Well, I'm guessing so. Look, I'd just say I'm not an expert. Um, uh, unless we live, look, I grew up at a time when you went to school in the morning, nobody told you what was happening during the day, and at 11 o'clock you got summoned to, to the gym and somebody gave you an injection for whatever happened to be at the time, BCG or whatever, nobody yeah. told us. And it was mandatory. Um, whether that is right or wrong, um, you know, people say it's a generational thing, I'm even commenting on it. But where's right or wrong, that's what happened. And a lot of the things that I grew up with, you know, with sort of polio being prevalent or um, diphtheria or whatever else, um, uh, appeared to disappear with mandatory vaccinations. Um, we're now in, a, in a, a society that won't accept mandatory vaccinations because they think it's against human rights. And if that's the case, that's fine. But without any such edict, you're always going to be in a situation where a percentage don't want vaccinations and a virus will spread. And then at some stage we have to live with it. You know, the common cold now or influenza over the years has killed people. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be an interesting few months. Well, a few weeks, I think more, more, more importantly, with obviously Christmas coming. Just want to sort of touch on Frankie. Obviously came in at the end of last season, won a, won a good number of games, did a good job toward the end of the season. And what he was tasked with doing, he, he succeeded. Um, what do you think? it was, if anything in particular, that just didn't work out for him this season? Well, look, I'd like to make a few comments about Frankie McAvoy because um, I probably got more abusive messages while he was our manager than I've had in many years, and I've had a few over my time. 
Um, and I find abuse um, difficult to understand because um, it doesn't make any difference to me in terms of how I feel. In fact, it's you know disappointing and you know you, you learn to live with it. Um, whether people who abuse you, and it was abuse, the language was a disgrace. Um, some of the text messages I got um, were vile. Some of the voice messages were vile. Um, and if people think that they're uh, allowed to do that's disappointing I don't know what sort of society we're in um, Frankie McAvoy was and is one of the world's nicest people um, and he came in stepped up to the plate at a time when we changed manager didn't have to accept that challenge and having stepped up to the plate he got 17 out of 24 points and nobody in the right mind would have um, gone elsewhere at that time because if we brought somebody in from outside he got 17 out of 24 points um, you know, the fans would have been saying to us, you've got to hire them. We discussed it with Frankie. He wanted to take on the challenge. And just like with any manager uh, or any member of staff, my job is to support them, to do the best, to assist them to do a job. And while ever in the job, uh, to be publicly supportive, because that's what you do with employees and people you work with. Um, but if it's not working at some point, you have to then say, what happens next? And I've always said you have to have a plan B. And the plan B means you can't go on without a manager if you're going to change the manager. And ultimately, you know, the decision was taken that uh, we thought we probably weren't getting the best out of the squad, certainly in terms of consistency. Um, it's very difficult to see us going to places like Bournemouth and winning and drawing with Fulham and going to Middlesbrough and winning and then losing some of the home matches we did. Um, uh, or indeed the local derbies, which, you know, clearly are very emotional in all our minds because we want to win those. Um, so, look, Frankie is one of the world's nice guys. Um, he will always be a friend to the club because he stepped up when he didn't have to. He gave it everything he had, but ultimately the decision was taken that we would go in a different direction. That's what we've done. And um, when we thought we could go in a different direction and find our number one target, well, that's what we did. I assume it all ended on good terms with Frankie then. Outstanding. I've just said he's one of the world's nice guys. Yeah. And... Um, he was a pleasure to deal with when he was employed. He was a gentleman when we informed him he wasn't going to be employed. And I've spoken to him a few times since. And uh, he deserves to succeed somewhere because um, he has behaved impeccably. And he has nothing, he and his family have nothing but our best wishes. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, obviously, from the outside looking in, it all seemed to move quite quickly with getting Ryan in. You must be delighted to have got the, the number one target in as, as efficiently as you did. Well, it'd be crazy to say I wasn't, wouldn't I? <laughs> I mean, the reality is, look, um, people, some people um, sometimes don't give us credit for knowing what we're doing. And I'm sure uh, I'll be open to criticism in the coming weeks as I've been in the past few months. But what we try and do with every position in the squad and with the manager is on a regular basis update the list in my top round drawer of my desk, which is, you know, if we need a goalkeeper, if we need a right back, if we need a striker, and if we need a manager. And circumstances dictate that those names change. You know, either managers suddenly do well or don't do so well, or they're going to other jobs, they're not become available. Um, so the reality is that when we decided we uh, needed to, uh, to change, um, we had a plan B in, in our minds and a draw. We knew what to do. We knew how to go about it. And I'm delighted to say that uh, it worked. 
Did your past relationship with Plymouth help things? No, it had no, no impact on it whatsoever. Um, I mean, it was a club that I worked for the administrator at Plymouth. Um, and whilst, uh, yes, I was able to introduce the person who bought it to the administrator, and that worked well. Um, James has subsequently sold his shares. Um, there are friends still there. Um, uh, Trevor East is one of their non-exec directors who I worked with for many years in relationship with Sky when he was in charge of sport at Sky. Um, so I know him very well. Um, but no, it didn't make any difference whatsoever. The reality is that um, um, we asked permission to speak. Um, that permission was given. Um, and once that permission was given, we spoke to Ryan and things moved very quickly. Um, I have to say, and I did say on the record, they acted totally professionally because they must have been disappointed. But, you know, we'll be the uh, last time it happens in football, will it? Because this is what happens, and particularly if you've got a talent that others covered. And um, um, they had, and now we've got Ryan, and, I'm, you know, it's early days, but I've been delighted the way he's settled in. I've uh, been delighted at the uh, supporters' acceptance of him, um, which has been um, pleasant after the last few few months of it being more difficult. And I genuinely think we've got somebody who will be a very successful manager with us and maybe elsewhere in the future. When, when you went about sort of identifying the next man, was it sort of, did you have a process for it? Were you looking at things like, obviously Ryan's renowned for the style that he plays, attacking football, or was it more he fit the bill in other ways as opposed to just the football? Or uh, did you did you have a process for the whole thing? Uh, I've always said in um, putting a football team together, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And I think there are some clubs in football who put together a collection of players who don't necessarily gel as a team. And you are far more successful if you actually put together a team. So the jigsaw puzzle makes a picture. And it's exactly the same with managers. There are some managers out there. I don't think the list of managers who are potential for us is a long list um, for all sorts of reasons. You know, where they are now, are they affordable? Um, have they been successful at more than one football club? Do they just happen to fit the bill of the football club they're currently at? Do they favour a formation that works with our players? You know, there are some appointments that have been made over the last 12 months elsewhere in football that have raised my eyebrows, some in our division, where the squad that those managers have inherited don't naturally play the same type of football as the manager has gone in. But that's not my problem, that's up to, to the clubs. So when you're looking at who you wish to try and attract, you look at all sorts of things, obviously success and where they've done it, have they done it more than one football club, um, will they settle into the area, um, and very importantly, uh, do they have a style of playing that will get the best out of the current squad? It's not to say the squad won't evolve, because it always does, but what we're not going to do is suddenly change 25 players on 1st of January, so you want, you want a manager who will come in and get the best out of what you've got. So that, of course, is a factor as well. Um, a lot more work goes into it. A lot more thought goes into it than we're often given credit for. Um, I'm happy to accept the criticism when it comes. And in recent months, it's been fairly voluble and regular. Um, but we genuinely do our best and we think that we work hard at doing our best and preparing for the next manager is one of them, which you do all the time.
he's coming as a manager, not a head coach. And I think a few people, specifically on social media, sort of noted the, the change in title. I mean, I'm I'm going to take a stab in the dark and guess that based off our last conversation on the podcast, not much actually changes whether he's called a manager or a head coach and. You know, I suspect his job will largely be the same as Frankie's was, despite Frankie being a head coach and obviously Ryan being a manager. Um, but when I was in my early 20s, titles meant a lot to me. Um, and it's probably my naive enthusiasm um, and uh, something that as time evolves, you realise that others make more of titles than you yourself do. The most important thing is, what's the job? What's the area of responsibility? Um, and do you think that you can do that? And if you actually go across football from right at the top of the Premier League, right the way down to the bottom, you've got um, people in the role that Ryan's in. Some are called head coaches, some are called managers. Um, in some clubs, you can't differentiate between what the sporting director or technical director or director of football does versus the manager. Um, we wanted clarity. Um, uh, Ryan was a manager at Plymouth and therefore it was very important for us to acknowledge that and not have anybody questioning whether his role would be different with us than it had been elsewhere. Um, he didn't even raise it. We just offered him the job. Um, I think it's important as well that maybe head coach uh, deflected to some extent with, with Frankie in some people's eyes where they thought, well, you know, Peter Ridsdale's buying the players or deciding who to give contracts to or picking the team. Um, and then, you know, if, if we give somebody a new contract, it's all my fault if the supporters don't agree with it. Um, if we sign a particular player, you know, it's, it's me that wanted him, not the manager, etc. Yeah, since I came to Preston North End just over 10 years ago, um, nothing's changed. The fact is we don't sign players, it's only happened once in my time in 10 years, we don't sign players that the manager doesn't want. Um, and we try our best to sign those that they do want, but obviously it has to be within a budget. And uh, contracts are only given out, uh, despite the fact they're obviously long-term commitments for the club. And you know they do often last beyond that manager, as has been shown over the last 12 months. We don't give players new contracts or extend unless we believe that investment is right for the future of the club and that the manager agrees um so look he's called the manager he is absolutely a manager he's in charge of the football matters i work with him very closely um and if others want to make um a meal out of titles so be it you know? fair enough how's his start to to life at the club been from an internal point of view it's always difficult to say very positive things without people interpreting it's better than it was before. Um, uh, because, you know, Frankie every morning had a smile on his face and came in and uh, everybody smiled back. Um, but Ryan's walked in on day one with uh, the confidence you would expect from a man who's done well before and from a man that feels that he's been offered a very good job, which he has. Um, uh, I've been delighted with the way he's um, gelled into the football club um, certainly every member of staff uh, has a smile on the face he's got time for everybody um, he wants everybody involved you know, at Exton it's not us and them between the football players playing staff and the administrative staff we're all in it together um, and uh, 
it's just what I would expect. I mean, I've been delighted. I don't, don't know him very well yet. I didn't know him. I'd met him a few times um, before we recruited him. Um, uh, but just through playing reserve games at Bury in the past or the Youth Cup tie at Deepdale when they, they came to Deepdale a few years ago and beat us. Um, so I'd bumped into Ryan through football, but didn't know him very well. But I would have thought two weeks in, it feels as if he's always been there. And I think that's a testament to the way he's behaved and assimilated himself into our culture. Yeah, he's, he's very uh, infectious, isn't he? In his personality and the way that he carries himself. I, I know... He, the the media and the press that he did when he first came in felt like I was hanging on every word that he was saying. Yeah, look, he's um, he's experienced with the press. Um, he's confident in his own ability and what he wants. And that's exactly what we needed and wanted as a football club. So, um, look, it's early days and every single person in football who's just hired a new manager will say what I'm about to say to you. But uh, so far, so good. And we're very optimistic. Um, it's an unforgiving profession football uh, only so many people can succeed and um, people very quickly get disillusioned if we don't meet their aspirations but sitting here as you know we are talking today I am extremely optimistic about the future because I think we've got a good squad of players um, we will always improve in the sense that we will always churn players because that's what happens um, we've done that far more than people have given us credit for during a very difficult two years um, but we've got a very good base to uh, start with. And I think we've got a football management team. And of course, he's brought Mike Marshall with him as well, which I think is um, equally uh, good for different experience to add to the backroom staff. Um, I'm very looking forward to 2022 with optimism. What Has he done anything differently? I know there's, there's footage of him and pictures of him getting involved in training. Don't know if Frankie did that or not, but has he, has he done anything differently with the players and, and with the group or around the club? Well, you need to ask the players about how they feel it's different. You know, I'm not, despite, again, all the rumours, I'm not out there on the training ground every day telling them what to do. Like I'm trying to run the football club from a business perspective for the Hemmings family. Um, which is what I'll do to the best of my ability with the rest of the management team. And it is a team. It's not just about me. Um, and uh, Ryan has come in and he's got his own views, very strong views on the way in which training should take place, how often, days off, etc., cetera, uh, downtime, um, everything from the way in which he tells them the meeting schedule pre-game, whether it's the day before or on the day. He's not trying to overload them with information. And he's giving them freedom to uh, to play football. And I think that uh, uh, you know, certainly days we've seen one game, but obviously I've seen bits of reserve game the other day. I missed the, the Starks. I had to go to a funeral of one of our long-standing corporate um, supporters who'd sadly died. Um, but um, from what I've seen, um, it, the players are enjoying it and they understand that there's a clarity about what, what's expected from them. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I know he's already mentioned in the post-match press after Barnsley about bringing in a few players in January. Do you anticipate it to be a busy one or is it going to be, like you say, same as many other windows where there will be churn probably, but we'll just see what happens? Well, I think that when you become a member of the League Managers Association, they give you a little manual and that manual says before every transfer window, you go out publicly and say you need three or four players. And... Um, He's no different. So, look, time will tell what we need. It's very early days. Um, there's a number of factors to take into account, the first of which is we do have a lot of players. 
uh, in excess of the 25 man squad. Um, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and that's expensive and we will not be bringing players in to sit um, on the training round and not play. And we won't be bringing new players in if it means those in the 25-man squad have to sit in our training ground and not play when we're paying them good wages. So do I expect there will be some change in January? Yes, I do. But it will be based on we have to make it cost-neutral because um, uh, we don't know whether we're going to have supporters in for the rest of the season. We don't know what our income stream is going to be. And we already have more than 25 players, but we will do our best, as we always do, to support the manager. Just on sort of players and, and whatnot, do you have an update on the lads who uh, you were in discussions with about new contracts when we last spoke? Or Not really. I think um, I'd like to think when we appointed Ryan, there was very little um, time between the rumours and him being appointed and unveiled. And I think that the difficulty with playing contracts is what I hate is when it's played out in the press or media or whatever um we are very close and in friendly discussions with two or three players um clearly i've just put a slight hesitation on the timing only because as i've reiterated today we don't sign any players without the manager agreeing and we've changed the manager and i want to make sure that if we are committing um to contracts of you know two three four years whatever happen to be um, it's with the manager's full agreement. That's not to suggest he's not in agreement, it's just to say he's new. Um, so we are very close, but not yet completed because I need everybody's input. Um, but the one thing that um, is rare about us, and I know we had a couple last year that left, is in the main, we don't have players desperate to leave us. Um, well, it's just the opposite. They, they like what we do and what we pay and the environment. So I have no belief that any key players that we would want to stay would believe in. The obviously the, the community and education trust have done loads of brilliant work and the club have obviously backed it and got involved. I think just more than anything, just wanted to say, you know, it's it's really impressive, it's good to see and I think everyone involved deserves massive credit for it, especially given the, the current climate with COVID and, and what we're all going through. Well, um, We've got some very good people in our football club and sadly the ones who um, get all the limelight and the credit are the players. And I say sadly because you know they are the players and that is the business and of course they get uh, a lot of publicity. But there's a lot of very, very good people um, behind the scenes uh, who contribute to everything that stands for Preston North End. Um, some of them are obviously within the football club itself. Um, uh, many of whom have been there for some time, and others, as you point out, are in the uh, PNECT tr uh, the, the trust. You know, we we meet them on a regular basis. They're part of our management monthly review. Um, and in Tom and Harriet plus their team, we've got two of the best in the business. The danger of me saying that is now everybody else will be trying to post them, but um, they do outstanding work in an area that is a bit of an unsung hero area of of our business. <laughs> And obviously, uh, would like to think that we work with them on their initiatives. Some we initiate and they implement, some they initiate and we support. But Preston North End is a very special football club. And um, at times when it's tough and there's a lot of criticism coming our way, 
it's very easy to overlook the fact that we've got a lot of people in our business who work very long hours and hard work trying to do their best for the football club and its reputation in the community. And um, I would pit us against anybody else in football um, in terms of talent and hard work and commitment to the cause. So, you know, um, there's loads of people who contribute and we are, we are an outstanding football club in the community. And it's times like now when people who deserve the praise, like Tom Harriet and their team, you know, probably do get a bit of the limelight, and it's quite right and proper. But they've been doing it all the time. Uh, you know, it's, they're, they're great. Yeah, uh, no, I completely agree. And I've spoken to Tom a couple of times about some fan-related stuff, and I, you know, I echo what you say. I don't, I don't know him that well. I've not spoken to him that much, but. Um, the team that he and Harriet have, like you say, are, are doing really good stuff, and it's just good to see in in the in the current climate. Um, the last one then from me, and you you might sort of dismiss this out of hand, but I've I've seen a few rumours about the club apparently being up for sale. Uh, is that the case, or is that not how it works in football? I don't I don't really know. I don't suppose it's like putting a house on the market. Uh, well, what I've always said, it's a bit like players. Um, uh, I was asked a long, long time ago uh, when I first got into football and football management, um, is X player for sale or is Y player for sale? And uh, I hear clubs say, no, not at any price. And the answer is that's nonsense. Every player is for sale at a price. Um, I like to think in my past, I proved that by buying a particular player for a lot of money and selling him for even more money uh, to Manchester United uh, many years ago. Um, so is Preston North End for sale? Look, if somebody were to walk in and say to the Hemmings family, here's an offer you can't refuse, it would be up to them, not up to me. Um, but there's no difference between, say, that and uh, I don't want to choose a player because then you're headlining, but, you know, anybody in the first team squad, are they for sale? Yeah, of course. The only difference is the price, you know. Um, so the Hemmings family would have to tell you. All I can tell you is that um, when the boss sadly died, um, the first thing I was told was to look at a three-year strategy. Um, I've been reassured that the money is there, uh, as it's always been, uh, within the budgets that we set, uh, not limitless cash, but within the budgets we set. Craig, Patrick and Catherine Revert, who's the group chief exec, have been absolutely outstanding since, since the boss suddenly died. Um, but will they always own it? You, know, you never say never in football, do you? What we're not doing is if you pop down to the local estate agent, you won't see us in a shop window for sale because, no, that's not how it is. Um, so, you know, take from that what you will, but, you know, everything's for sale at a price, but um, nobody's banging on my door saying get rid of it to one. Yeah, I was going to say, it's all well and good saying everything's for sale, but if there's no one wanting to buy, then yeah, yeah, you are where you are then, aren't you? I guess. Well, let, let me just also make another comment about football clubs in general and supporters in general. And we've got some of the best. Um, a few have been frustrated recently, but you know, as a football club, we've got a fantastic loyal supporter base and everything we do, let's not forget is for our supporters because if they're happy, well then my life's a lot easier. Um, those, and I'll take us out of the equation, but for those football fans around, you know, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, wherever, who are disillusioned with their current ownership, it's a bit like you asked me about a manager at the start of this interview, and I always said I have a plan B. So for those who are disillusioned, they have to have a plan B. And, um, you know, sometimes that plan B is not 
as good when they find it as plan A was. Because there aren't uh, many people out there with massive checkbooks wanting to lose millions a year by only a football club. And in the championship specifically, that's what happens. If you buy a championship football club, you could have a big checkbook and you've got to be prepared to lose millions of pounds a year. So, you know, whether it be us or any other football team, it doesn't matter. If anybody's got a plan B that works, you know, certainly if it's to do with us, you've, everybody's got my number. Um, but sometimes be very careful what you wish for because it's a very, very difficult business and it's very difficult to get the next person with a big enough checkbook. Yeah, um, Peter, I think unless you've got anything you want to finish on, then we can we can wrap that up. Yeah, I have actually. I'd just like to say to you or the people who are listening to this and to every single Preston North End supporter, I'd like to wish them a happy, safe Christmas, hopefully a very successful 2022. And I'd like to thank them for their support and just hope everybody gets through to the other side of this pandemic safe and well. And thank you for your time. No, I echo exactly what you just said. Same to yourself and, and your family and the club and everyone at the club. Um, and yeah, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Great as always. Thanks, Jake. And now to play us out, Reese E with the song Wise Man, which is what you heard at the start of the episode. And you can hear the full song now. Uh, make sure you go and check them out on Spotify and anywhere else that you stream your music. <laughs>